Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship, and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social, and economic renewal in our immediate communities. And as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. Thou shalt prosper. Tell your neighbor, thou shalt prosper. You see, when you find a river, yesterday, let me give you an interesting thing. And if I over-refer to yesterday, at, uh, yesterday we had School of Leadership, uh, Harvest Institute, and I want to send shout-outs to Teacher Dora, because what a shock. We were, we were given information about our history that was just amazing. Uh, I also want, before I continue, send out shout-outs to Worship Harvest Chitukutwe. They are tuned in online, and I send my love and greetings to the family there. We have amazing leaders that are changing that community to, into a city. Apostle prophesied and said Chitukutwe is a city, and that's where it is. So you of here, I don't know. Anyway, Teacher Dora was telling us about how trade used to happen in, the, in, in, in those many hundreds of years ago. You didn't just wake up and decide where to go. Okay, if you, like if you lived at the coast and said, okay, we need to trade with a country, you had to wait for the winds to blow your ships to where that country is. You know, there's some things you take for granted, but if the wind didn't blow, you stayed where you are. Or if it blew in the wrong direction, you'll get lost like Vasco da Gama <laughs> or Columbus. You know, Christopher Columbus was looking for India. <laughs> he was blown all the way around ended up in America. But anyway, so these people would set sail from Ar- the Arabian Peninsula, Oman, to come to Mombasa because of the, 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 the winds. It's the currents that would draw them here. And so the reason I'm giving you this example is because when prophecy is given, it is like those winds. It is like those currents. You can either decide to use it or to swim against it or to watch people swimming with it. And so prophecy was given of how the latter part of this year shall be greater than the whole first nine months of this year. That is a prophecy. Now what is your response to it? Amen is a good one. That's first. But what are you going to do about it? You understand? The other day we were talking about Solomon and how Solomon got a dream where God spoke to him. It was a dream. That thing hit me and I was like, what? Me, I always thought that God actually came to Solomon and spoke to him. No, it was a dream. So the Bible says he woke up after speaking to God in his dream. But he did something about it. That's why we read about him. He did something about it. He acknowledged his dream as an actual conversation with God. So when a prophecy is given, it is what you do after that activates it. Yes, because of course the word of God will not return to him void, but that doesn't mean we sit back and be lazy about it. You understand? The word of God is like water. It will always find a way downstream. You understand? It will always find a way downstream. If it finds a rock, it will go around the rock and go downstream. That's how powerful water is. That's how powerful the word of God is. When God's word leaves his mouth, everything has to sort itself out to fulfill it. 
For him, he just comes to check and say, it is good. That's how creation happened. He said, let there be light. Now, those, hey, I've been warned not to be too scientific. But anyway, <laughs> it is for your learning. So, atoms, all those things had to organize themselves. At least we know water. We, don't we know water? H, two, oh, right? Two atoms of hydrogen and one atom of oxygen. Okay? They were there. They were somewhere. When God said, let the waters, those had to find each other to fulfill the word of God, to form water. That's how God's word is powerful. But for you, because, you ha- because when God created man, he said, let us make man in our likeness. You, for you, the fulfillment of God's word, God's word needs your obedience. Do you understand? Because you are creative being like him. When he created man, he stopped creating. Should I say that again? When God created man, he stopped creating. He rested. Because everything else apart from what is in Eden was created by man. So he rested from his work. Because he had created like beings like him to continue in the work of creation. And so for you to fulfill God's word, you have to obey. God's word to be done on earth needs a man. And moreover, it needs an obedient man. And I'm today, I'm here to make the case that it needs not only an obedient man or woman, it needs a wealthy, obedient man or woman. Yeah. Yeah, because all of you, when God comes and says you will obey, quickly, because you're worship harvesters. But to the degree in which you obey is determined by your account balance. Yeah, it is. Because God can say, okay, I want to send someone to the U.S. How many people want, want to go to the U.S. to, to plant a church? Eee, you guys. I thought we are all church planters here. Okay, at least an MC, because planting a church seems to be scary. Uh-huh. To plant an MC in the U.S., in Beverly Hills, right? Yeah, we all want to go to Beverly Hills and start an MC and have Danzel as your MC member. What? Eh? Don't we all want? Do you know how we, like now, let's assume that's an instruction. Uh-huh. Do you know how much rent is in, in, in Beverly Hills? Or are you going to call them to... <laughs> eh? Let's say you have to settle. So you have to move from here. Guess what? You have to move from here and move to Beverly Hills where houses houses are not your price of Nigeria. Okay? The one-bedroom studios are like a million dollars. Right? Now, you see how your obedience, your gas, your angst to obey God, I am sold out for the kingdom. But can you obey that instruction? The, the, the silence tells me that I have work to do in this sermon because God wants you wealthy. Do you know that Abraham had to leave his father's house? Do you know that Abraham left his father's house? If Abraham depended on his father, would he obey God's instruction? There's your answer. The reason Abraham obeyed was faith 
but second, he had the ability, he had the capacity. Yes, Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. I want to show you that scripture. That scripture is in Genesis chapter 13, verse 2, which comes after Genesis chapter 12, where God called him. That was his state at his obedience. That was his state. So if he didn't have livestock, silver, and gold, he would be like, ah, you see, daddy, uh, I, I was there uh, minding my own business, and, and I had a voice. It's like, Terry's like, uh-huh. The voice said I should move and, and go where? <laughs> to a land somewhere. Uh-huh. So why are you telling me this? Uh, daddy, I need some pocket money. So Abraham's obedience moved from being his work to his father's work. Do you understand? And that, my friends, is why God wants you wealthy. He wants you independent of the shackle of money so that your obedience to him is quick and immediate. So wealth is not a, a, a nice to have. In this day and age, in 2023, wealth is a necessity. Yeah. And we are living far below that expectation of God. But I'm getting ahead of myself. We need to recap. I, I think I'm recapping. You get it? Eh? So God's desire for you is to be wealthy. It is not, it is an enforcement of the kingdom. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that what? That he might establish the covenant which he spoke to his fathers as it is this day. That's the purpose of wealth. The covenant. So it is not just, you know, something good to have. It is absolutely necessary. Your obedience depends on it. And last week we looked at the pitfalls of poverty. Why we should hate poverty. If you don't know, if you have been hugging poverty, high-fiving it on your way to church, smooch-smooching it, <laughs> you, you, you have, you know, one of my most trying times as an adult was in 2008. I had just left, I had left my job in 2007 to focus on my business. And so I was there with my business, tussling it out. I got face to face with poverty. Its face was here, mine was here. Yeah, it was a real, the whole year, no contract, no money. I was literally living from hand to mouth. It was very rough. I was fortunate because I'd just gotten married. And my wife got a scholarship to do her master's in the UK. So she was in the UK. So I was here in Nigeria alone. <laughs> I remember one day coming home, I had nothing. The car was kusikaring as I entered the gate. Now to the international audience. Uh, it, it was pulling. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I've been reminded. It was running out of gas. It was, it was running out of gas. Yeah, when your car has hiccups, you know? Has your car ever had hiccups? <laughs> you know? 
have a two-year-old son. And when he wants to guilt trip you, he starts crying by doing that thing. <laughs> so your car might be doing the thing, but it's going to change today. Amen. No more E. Anyway, I remember a day very vividly where I got home and there was nothing to eat. No supper, nothing. So I just got tap water, tap water. And I was about to drink the tap water. Then some friends came with a loaf of bread. And that was my dinner. Now, when I tell this story, people are like, what? Way poverty. <laughs> the little that we entertain is, is an abomination. Meanwhile, I was saved, very saved, by the way. At that time, I even think I was even in the intercessors of Uganda group. We were praying, casting out demons. Yes, yeah, speaking in tongues. Yeah, beloved of the Lord. I used to be radical. I am more radical now, but then I was radical. I would put scriptures in my shoes. Yes, Joshua 1 3. Everywhere your feet shall tread. And we go. <laughs> By the way, you people who are here in Nalia, you don't know warfare. <laughs> hmm? Paul tells Timothy, you shall wage a good warfare through prophecy. We put scriptures in our shoes and walked this city. Hmm? We walked. But we're broke. <laughs> yeah. So the devil had no problem with my praying of tongues. <laughs> that could have been one. Of we did, you know, he was not, the devil didn't mind that we were praying a lot. Overnight, what? Nothing. Because we were broke. Of zero consequence to anyone. So I remember one day we decided that ah, this poverty thing, we have to kill it. So I decided to go to prayer mountain. Tell your neighbor, prayer mountain. We, I went, we went up that hill and prayed and prayed and at 3am it was draining and I got a vision of a dragon a huge dragon and as I continued praying a, a very big sword came and cut off the head of that dragon and God told me today you have killed poverty you will no longer contend with poverty. The reason I tell you that story is because that is the true nature of poverty. Poverty is a dragon. Poverty is an, it's a demon from hell on the right hand of the devil because that is the thing that keeps the church impotent. The devil doesn't mind you praying all night as long as you don't have money. Exodus chapter 8 verse 1, it says, Let my people go that they made serve me. Do you know what Pharaoh was doing? He was cutting them off. The minute Moses showed up, started giving them things that would keep them on this treadmill that we call the rat race. The more they worked, the less they got. And every, with every plague, Pharaoh wanted to hold on to something. Everything that was related that Pharaoh wanted to hold on was their wealth. It's like, okay, you can go, but only the men. Okay, you can go, but leave that what? You see, all those conditions. Until finally, when he said, let them go. And on the day of the Passover, guess what happened that morning? The children of Israel walked through the streets of Egypt collecting gold. Why did they need gold? Exodus chapter 8 verse, let my people go that they may serve me. God knew that they needed gold to serve him. That's why they plundered Egypt. 
Have you ever tried evangelizing in places where there's abject poverty? It's one of the hardest places. Yeah. Because people are so used and they're so visible. Poverty has blinded them. I gave an example earlier today at, at Business Garage about two people who fought over 100 shillings. 100 shillings. I was in a taxi at 11 p.m. going home. And someone entered, then he think he forgot something. Then as he was, he told about the, the, the taxi master and he was coming out, gave the guy 100. And it's like, no, it is 200. And no, it's 100. No, it's 200. So they started fighting. Real blows to the point of bleeding. Over what? 100 shillings. 100 shillings. One of the th- saddest things I see is going to the Entebbe airport and you find children lining up being stuffed into a plane to go into a foreign land and work. Why? It's poverty. It's poverty. So when we tell you you must hate poverty, it is not a thing even to associate with. You must hate it with your core because that's how it will change. Otherwise, you'll get Stockholm Syndrome and start smooch smooching poverty. That's why God says out of the dust he will lift us out. He lifts us out of poverty because we cannot serve him when we're in poverty. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2 it says now the mountain of the Lord shall be established over every ma- it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of every mountain of the mountains and shall be exalted on the hills and the nations shall flow to it. This is a prophecy about the church. Anyone who's familiar with the seven mountain prophecy, you'll know that the church is one of the mountains. Then there's a mountain of business. There's a mountain of culture. There's a mountain of sports. There's a mountain of, of uh, governance. There's a mountain of media. This prophecy is saying that the church shall be elevated over every mountain. Do you know that's what that means? That wealth is coming to the church. Yes but we must be wise and flow with that prophecy. We must be diligent. Amen? Tell your, you, tell your neighbor, diligence. So today, in the second episode, we're talking about diligence and prosperity. Apostle She painted a very good picture about why we must be prosperous, why we must, be, uh, we must have wealth, and why God has established so many ways to keep us wealthy but there is something here that he taught, he, he touched on but let, let, let me just extrapolate it that you see in the bible there are maybe three levels of wealth and we have not yet started to see some of them hmm? diligence is the first level of wealth this is where you work the principles of hard work which we will talk about today that's just the first level of wealth. You work hard and you get money. Okay? Have we understood? You work hard, you get money. But even that simple, we some of us fail. You go to some workplaces and you're like, eh. you check in, put your coat on the chair, switch on the computer, then you spend the rest of the day on WhatsApp or on TikTok. Then at 4.53, you, 
switch off the laptop, you change from the heels or shoes to sneaks, and you, <laughs> you start parking so that by five finds you outside the office. Now, that's not diligence. And your state of wealth is evidence of that. And that's just level one. God's design, God's desire of the primary way to provide for his children was through work. Yeah. If you find yourself praying for breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough, there is a principle you have ignored. God's desire is not to provide to you through breakthrough. I know I'm now warping some people's theology. Do you know when you need a breakthrough? When you're faced with a wall. You get it? So you need to break through. But God has created doors (laughs) for you. Do you know an example of a door? Hard work. So when you don't work hard, you find yourself in front of a wall and then you need a breakthrough when the landlord starts calling you. I mean, think about it. What would you think of a father who only provides for his children at the last minute? When the school fees, they're about to be kicked out of school is when he comes and pays. When the child is about to faint from hunger is when he gives food. Does that sound like a loving God? But that's how we view God. You know, we always, like, and I can prove this to you, just watch a Christian Nigerian movie like one and a half hours has been about how the witch doctor did what they cast so and so then at the end at the end is when the mother's prayer works and then an angel comes and saves the day at the last minute (laughs) then they say good to god be the glory so our theology is informed by a god who waits for the last minute Yet God has provided all things that pertain to life and godliness. He has given it to you. Adam had a job before Eve came. Even before the fall, Adam had a job. He had work. Remember, God stopped creating after he created Adam. So then now Adam was working. He was not toiling. He was tilling. That's in Genesis chapter, I think it's 3. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 And then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it to tend and to keep it he had work even Adam had to work can you imagine so God's number one way to provide for you is through work but that's just level one of wealth if you work hard, you'll be wealthy. That one I guarantee you. But that's just the beginning. Because we serve a lavish God. He has provided for other ways, other levels. The next level after diligence is wisdom. There is a wealth, there is only so hard you can work. You know? You can work so hard, but then, you know, you can, at best, you can get a very good job get a, some good money you can, you can, your community around you will feel you come but then there is wisdom level wealth here we talk about Solomon that's our gold standard for wisdom wealth 
that it is hard about your wealth is hard about from cities from nations people just come to sit and listen to your wisdom that is wisdom level wealth and that is available to you but you have to be a good steward at the diligence level before God can trust you with the wisdom level amen then after the wisdom level there is the covenant level and this is how apostle explained it is like you see Solomon's wealth as great as it was came and went Jewish wealth still exists today that is covenant wealth wealth that does not diminish but rather wealth that increases with every generation and that God, God wants us at that level do you know at that level it, the, the, you, know, you know royalty right do you know as the, the thing to, to benefit from royalty, the wealth of royalty which is covenant wealth is just to be born in the right family that's the work you do which is not even your work as long as you're born in that family whether you're not wise or you're not diligent wealth just comes to you by virtue of covenant just by virtue of covenant and majority of the wealth in the world today is inherited chill these things you see with the rich people of the world those ones that comes and go and proof is 20 years ago the richest people in the world were not the same ones today yeah it comes and goes or the levels of the wealth in the world just keep increasing but God wants to get us to covenant wealth but you know that he can't get you to covenant wealth if you're not diligent and if you have not proven, proven yourself with a diligence level, you can't take it to wisdom. Because that wealth will destroy you. He says, you know what, my daughter, my son, I love you so much, so I'll just leave you there. <laughs> because if I give you wealth of this nature, the one of giving cities, hmm, they tell you to arise and build, and you're like, eh! You feel as if they have stretched. How will you give a city? <laughs> you get eh? so those are the levels that, that are there available to us as believers but we'll dig a bit deeper into diligence why, why, why we need to get into diligence level of wealth because that's the underlying level that's the basic, that's the first one which we must master so when you say diligence because sometimes you hear diligence many of you are hearing different things what are the, what are the definitions so there are interesting synonyms here. Diligence means steady. Hey, here, yeah. honest, devoted, energetic effort. Tell your neighbor, energetic effort. Can I describe your work on Monday as energetic effort? <laughs> Painstaking work. You know, there's a scripture good thing the Quakers are here in front. There's a scripture where I labor in the word to the point of exhaustion. That's the amplified of which the, 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 where Paul was saying that he labors in preaching to the point of exhaustion. That's diligence. For you, just have Wednesday. You get, eh? <laughs> There's a scripture here that says, Proverbs chapter 12 verse 27. The lazy man, let's read it together. The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, 
but diligence is a man's precious possession. I, I, you know, Proverbs, I read Proverbs every day, every month for the last few years. Now, there is always, uh, apostles, I was listening to an apostle and he was saying, look into scripture with fresh eyes. So I looked at this scripture with fresh eyes and it's precious possession. Now I want you to look into your life, in your house, where do you keep your precious possessions? Do you have precious possessions? You, you understand, eh? They are valuables, things that you hold dear to you, right? And God is saying that as those precious possessions is your diligence, your hard work. That your hard work is where your treasure should be. But unfortunately, we want the results, not the process. We are, we are now that microwave generation. It's like, eh. So level one is diligence. That's the first level God has provided for you to be wealthy. And we cannot ignore it. We have just seen how important wealth is for the kingdom. So I'm going to take us on a bit of a journey. <clears throat> and bear with me, because I'm going to give you a bit of a math class. Yeah, math is necessary. You can't, how will you count your money? <laughs> That's why your phone has a calculator. <laughs> yeah, and like about 60% of you use Excel every day, even if it's to fill in the MC report. Anyway, the amount of money you earn, remember we're talking about diligence. The amount of money you earn is a, is a factor of time and effort. So, if you were to put it in terms of my mathematical formula, money equals time and effort. Times effort, right? Okay. Are we all together there? So, the last time I checked, you can't do anything about how much time you have. So, in the mathematical world, time is a fixed. It's a constant. You can't do anything about it. There are only 24 hours in a day, even though what Pastor Quaker tried to do to stop the sun, it won't work. <laughs> it is fixed. Okay? That means what is left within your control? Effort, right? Because you, so the, the higher the effort, what happens to money? You get. Now, friends, that there is my sermon. Yeah, it's just playing around with that formula. Right there. The harder you work, the more money you get. It's that simple. And that's what all these proverbs are about. That's why in your SSFG class, they ask you for your hourly rate. But I'm going ahead of myself. <laughs> because some people here are looking at me and saying, eh, but where, where are you going with this? So, your effort your effort is a factor of your diligence how diligent are you another way to think about it is your effort is a measure of what you can do so go back to that formula money is equals time times what you can do 
So, for example, Usain Bolt, okay, can move 75 kilograms down 100 meters in under nine seconds. Hence, how much money does he earn? Are you starting to see the picture? Should I give you another example? <laughs> Is that example clear? His effort in moving his kilograms 100 meters in less than nine seconds is why he earns millions of dollars. <laughs> okay? So at your workplace, I want you to always have this because you're going to be more valuable the more you understand this principle that the more I can do with the time that I have, the more I will earn. The less I do with all the abundance of time, because the people who don't have much are the ones who have a lot of time, the money will be affected. You understand? So money is a reward of effort. And where you apply that effort. Amen. So that's why if you go to the Proverbs, it talks about the lazy man. The lazy man. <laughs> the lazy man. You know, that lazy man there does not roast what he took in hunting. Can you imagine? He went through the effort of going into the bush, sharpening his tools, investing his skills. He even caught the animal. He killed the animal, but he failed to roast it. So he's as good as someone who didn't go hunting. What a waste. He's as good as someone who didn't go hunting. So your wealth is your diligence. That's what it means that that man's precious possession. That precious possession is your diligence. Being diligent. Amen. So to increase, one of the things that I noticed actually as I was doing is that diligence can be looked at as being a good, you own a time. So you, you, you put time to good use through your effort. Another measure of diligence is stewardship. How well are you stewarding what you have? Wastefulness, wastefulness is a sign of lack of diligence. I remember Apostle here teaching that we have equipment here as worship harvest that we had back in the days of Alfiesta. Then that, when you understand that principle, then you see why God has entrusted us with all the resources he has. Because we are diligent in, a, in, in stewardship of what he has given us. Another thing you have to understand is that anyone can be wealthy. Because anyone can work. You can be wealthy where you are. Just work the principle. The principle works for you. Because even though, like, let's take the example of Isaac. Isaac was blessed. Is there any doubt that Isaac was blessed? You don't doubt it. <laughs> of course, Isaac doesn't doubt it. But Isaac was blessed. But here's an interesting thing in Genesis chapter 26 verse 12. Is that Isaac sowed in that land. He sowed. It, it, God gave the increase but Isaac sowed because he was working a principle God had put in place 
So Isaac sold. And so we must learn how to do, be diligent with that. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Because some of you are looking at me interestingly. It's like, eh, where is this? These are Old Testament things. Uh-huh. First, let's read it together. But concerning brotherly love, you have you no need for, for the, that, that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Uh-huh. And indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in all of Macedonia. But I urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, mind your own business, and work with your own hands as we commanded you. What a scripture. What a scripture. Basically, in Ugandan English, this is what Paul is saying. It's good that you love one another as Christians. Well done. But, (laughs) but, apart from, on top of brotherly love, you must increase more and more. Hmm? Have you seen that? You must increase more and more. Increase is a function of diligence. Increase is a function of diligence. If you've been doing the same thing, for the last five years and there is no increase you're not diligent there must be increase yeah? there was silence in the house increase is a function of diligence then he says I urge you brethren that you increase more and more this is the thing that, that, is, that you walk properly so how many of you know that he was not talking about their, is this thing that you're going to say their diggy, what? Their, their walking style. Was Paul addressing their walking style? When he's saying walk properly. <laughs> that you should have a, 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 a swagger as you walk properly before the others. No. Walking properly, if you read what it means there, it is conduct uh, dignity and he's saying walk properly towards those who are outside walk with dignity towards those who are outside now what this, this means is that as a Christian you can't be the beggar you can't be the one who's always in need because what you're telling the people who are outside is that my God is not, cannot supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. Is that what the scripture says? But your life is saying that. That because of our lack of diligence, we are constantly walking without, we are not walking properly. And so the people outside are like, you know what, if this is your Christianity, I don't want it. I don't want it. You're always in need. Do you know, there's a person who is a Christian, a friend of mine, and they told me this, and it, was, and it really hurt, but I understood where they were coming from. It's like, for me, I can't, ha- I can't hire born again. And it's like, they are lazy. And I'm like, what? Yeah, it was some time ago, but it was sad. And he gave me story after story after story after story. Simple lack of diligence. Because we have this theology that Jesus paid it all. Yeah. 
Now, let me tell you about what the way you think. The Bible says, be careful how you hear. Because it is when it is how you hear that informs your behavior. Your behavior doesn't your behavior is not determined by your good intentions. Your behavior is determined by the things that you have stored in your subconscious. You will quickly self-sabotage yourself by your subconscious. The things you believe that you don't even know you believe. One of those beliefs is an evacuation theology. That I'm only here, Jesus is coming soon. Can't you see even Israel is fighting? He's coming soon and he's going to take us to paradise. And so do you know what that theology does? It leads you to becoming lazy. Yeah. Because why should I work? Jesus is coming soon. Why should I save? Jesus is coming soon. Let alone, it's, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, that let him who still, still, who stole, still no more, but let him work, laboring with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who is in need. That is the purpose of work. And so if you read that scripture very carefully, is that if you're working for yourself, you are a... If you're working for yourself, you are a... No, read the scripture. Let him who stole, he's addressing thieves, steal no longer. But rather, that means for to stop being a thief, what should you do? Work with your hands. How? What is good? Not stealing. That you may have what to give to him who has need. So if you're only working, if the only person that eats your salary is you, you are a thief. <laughs> huh? <I'm>, I... <laughs> you guys, are we together? I, I didn't come here to, to throw stones. I'm just reading the scriptures. Everything is useful. Imagine, you know why the, the early church had no need? What did they do with their money? They brought it to the feet of the apostles and he divided them among them and there was none who was in need because they were obeying the scripture. Everyone was working to have what to give and with that mentality they were always in abundance. Do you understand? Our theology that's why here you see the First, third John 1, 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Your soul must first prosper for you to prosper. Your soul must first prosper for you to prosper. Why? Because your soul is your mind, your attitude towards work. If work is that thing, Monday is the Monday, Monday has become Monday, you dread going to work, you drag your feet into the office, why should God bless the something that's torturing you? Because I'm there slaving for my employer, uh, he doesn't pay me enough, he abuses me. It's like, you know what, you're not even diligent with another man's. Who will entrust you with your own? That's in Luke. So now you're seeing how we as Christians end up needing breakthroughs all the time. When they come for prayer, ah, please, I need a breakthrough to pay rent. Why? Because the thing that God has given you, you have abused. The job 
that God has given you, you have abused. Yeah, I know we all want to work for the UN. Start where you are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why people like working. <laughs> I'm reading your, your, your messages. Eh? Uh-huh. Because there, there, there is no shortcuts in life, guys. There are no shortcuts in life. Be diligent where you are. Be diligent with another man's. Then you will be trusted with your own. Yes, that is scripture. And so, that's why we need to change our theology. Because our theology informs uh, the way we behave. I'm running out of time, so I'm just going to hire a few things. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 4. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. I don't know when we read the Proverbs, do we actually read the Proverbs? Or we are just quoting Wealth Park? Hmm? Because it says it right there. That means, again, if you analyze the scripture, which is in English, is that if you're not rich, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Are you seeing the standards of wealth? I did a very, int- I did a study last night and found out something very interesting. That even the people we think don't work hard actually work very hard, because at some many years ago I used to think these CEOs eh, of of Facebook what they just rich kids. They just slide into things. They fall into things. Then they become CEOs and drive fancy cars. They work hard. I was reading about the, the current CEO of Microsoft. He's called um, Satya, Satya Nadella. He has worked for Microsoft for 24 years. He didn't start as CEO. Sander Pachai, who is the CEO of Google, worked for Google for almost, I think, almost 30 years. Andy Jassy, who is the current CEO of Amazon, has worked for Amazon for 38 years. He started as business's PA. Diligence. But for you, you want to work here, the minute you start working and you're out of probation, you're looking for new jobs. You get, eh? For better pay. (laughs) LinkedIn. We found a match for you. Faithful with another man's. That is diligence. And then also another group of people I thought who just have life easy is actors. (laughs) These people, they just come, wave things in front of a TV, jump like this, then they earn millions of dollars. Go back to that equation. That is a universal truth, by the way. There is no, anyway, that universal truth, money equals time by effort. Yeah, you might enjoy the movie and think they are doing nothing, just pretending, being paid to pretend. Those people work hard. I was watching a video some years ago about John Wick. You know John Wick? Why do you know John Wick? Uh, Anyway, (laughs) I said many years ago. I've caught you. Anyway, I was watching Keanu Reeves spent six months training with special forces. 
to act that movie. Six months with special forces. Not the regular army. Not uh, Kadogo. Hmm? Not Chakamchaka. Six months with the special forces. Navy SEALs. To train for a movie. For a movie. Now you, they tell you, go to here, Changkwanzi, small, small, for two weeks. You come back so thin, black. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you don't work, to work, work for certain organizations because they're like, ah, that trading. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Actors, there's a reason why they get paid that money. Yeah, they work hard. They work hard. I was watching another actor who had to learn a new accent. Now you might look at me and say, learn your accent. We, we all have. Chill this accent of yours, of which. When you get a visa, it changes. This one, you have to convince the people watching that you're from a certain place. They had to go to, they had to go, they had to go and live in that country for some time to get the accent, the intonations, to learn an accent of which in a movie of one hour, 30 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Idris Elba said he had to live with the late Nelson Mandela for a period of time so that he could act out the, in, in, in thinking that, that, that movie that he acted as Nelson Mandela. He had to live with him and get to understand how his mannerisms and what. Yeah, for you, you just see Instagram, you see, hey, this is the way. it's hard work. It's hard work. That equation is honored in everything. So don't be the one that ignores it. Amen. So the two things that I want us to learn about diligence before I close. Number one, be diligent with time. Be diligent with time. Remember that time thing is the one that doesn't change in that equation. Money equals time times effort. That thing doesn't change. So you have to respect it. Another way I looked at this is that, again, bear the mathematics. If M, which is money, is equal to T, which is time, times diligence, which is D. If you put T as the subject, right, which means you move D this other side, the amount of money per effort buys you time. How, what does that mean? Let me, let me give you an example. Working smart. Now you see you're you're getting into the wisdom level wealth, right? Yes. Working smart. The thing that you add value to yourself is what will buy you time. Do you understand? Because uh, Mike Murdoch, is it Mike Murdoch? Um, And I read it in SFFG. Is that you will be compensated to the value you bring to the market. The value you have is a function of you. The more value you get to yourself, the more money you can attract. Remember, the effort is things you can do if you can do more things. If you can lead well. That's why leaders are paid more. Because leaders get many people to do what they would have been difficult for them to do themselves. The leader of Apple, Tim Cook, leads about 150,000 people. The thing he gets them to do makes Apple the richest company in the world. Are you seeing the relationship? 
So when you add value to yourself, which is a function of diligence, reading books, going for that course, expanding on your, on your, on your skills and credentials, that adds value to you, which means that is value you can bring to the market, which means the market can reward you with more money. God is not a money launderer. Yeah. Because we want to wake up and get money under, uh, uh, you know, bundles of dollars under our pillow. Eh? Then we get, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, that, that's, that's not the character of God. God wants to provide for you through diligence, then through wisdom, and ultimately his desire is to provide for you for his covenant. Because when you're in covenant wealth, money stops being an issue. Like Jesus whom operated in covenant wealth. Do you know that Jesus operated at such a wealth level that he bypassed the need for money? Because Ecclesiastes says money answers all things. Eh? So how did Jesus do the things that he did? He operated at a higher level of the manifestation of, of money. And the, thing that, the picture that's stuck in my head is look at the value and time. Remember time and effort that is required to do the miracle Jesus did. Costs money. If Jesus heals a lame person, he has condensed time and the money that person would have spent at the doctors. You get it? I was telling some people about traveling. Traveling is a function of money. But you can go beyond that and get just to get to where you need to be by teleporting there. Sounds crazy, but it's, we, have biblical, we have biblical precedent. Philip did it. He didn't need an airplane. He didn't need to buy business class tickets. You get? Eh? Yeah. So that is at covenant level. Where you just desire to be somewhere and you're there. You just, you know, Apostle was teaching sometime and says that it goes, your wealth goes before you. That just by hearing that you're coming, things are prepared for your arrival. That's covenant level wealth. But for us to get there, we must be diligent with the one that God has given us. And the first level of diligence is diligence with time. How do you honor time? For me, I have an app in my phone that measures the amount of time of what I'm doing what. And in my desire, my heart's desire, which is trying to come up, is that the Bible app must be the thing I spend the most time on my phone. Yeah. That's the best way to spend time. The reason I hate jam is because it's a waste of time until I discovered audiobooks. That like in this time that is going, I can be redeeming time. Teach us to number our days that we may get, gain our heart of wisdom. Wisdom is understanding the value of time. Keeping time. Keeping time. I was in a place, I was talking in, in earlier in um, Business Garage. A place that has clocks depicting time in different time zones all of them wrong now why would I give that business you know, why would I go do business with that company if they can't set the time that means they don't value time so one of the things as believers we must do is be people who honor time calculate your value for the minute if you haven't already because that is a measure of the value you have on time your value, but how much value you have on time. The second level of diligence I want us to talk about is be diligent with resources. 
be diligent with resources. I don't have time to take us through Matthew chapter 25 verse 14, but I'm sure we know the parable of, of the stewards. So someone is given five talents, the parable of the talents. Another one is given two, another one is given one. Okay? And the one who's given five, the Bible says something very interesting here. He says that he multiplied it. He went and traded with them. Have you seen that? That the steward went and traded with the talents and turned five to ten. The one of four went and did the same. He walked and turned two to four. But the one of one dug a hole and kept it. What does a master call that person? Wicked and slothful. The Bible says wicked and lazy. That's why I said multiplication is a sign of diligence. If the thing you're working on is not multiplying, you are lazy. God's desire is that we always multiply. Then the thing that he says, enter into the joy of your Lord. That's why that scripture reminds me of Psalms. Chapter 35, verse 27, it says that the God delights in the prosperity of his, of his servants. God delights in your prosperity. That's why he delighted in that servant who multiplied the talents and says, come into the joy of your Lord. Amen. We must be diligent with resources. And how we be diligent with resources is that we must multiply them. So I'm going to give us three hacks, three ways in which we can practice diligence when it comes to financial resources. Number one, esteem the value of hard work. Get it out of your head that hard work is punishment because you're misreading Genesis chapter 2, chapter 3. Yes, there's a curse, but it's not a punishment because Adam was already working. He was already working before the curse. So work is a good thing. A friend of mine wrote a book, says the, the blessing of Monday. Hmm? <laughs> yeah? Monday is a blessing. Because church begins on? Monday. Yes. Get excited to go to work. Change your attitude. That's how your work will start yielding its, its, its fruit to you. Be the best employee in your workplace. You get Show up on time. Do what you've been paid to do. You know, this thing, Ugandans, let's just, just be honest. I know I'm running out of time, but allow me to use this pastoral moment. Do what you have been hired to do. You are not hired to be on TikTok unless you're a social media promoter, which there we have to. But you account for your hours. If not to your boss, to yourself. It's like, I came here at eight. And what have I done with these eight hours of the day? Do you understand? Be diligent. Because you cannot cheat God. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, so shall he reap. Be the best person in your workplace. Be valuable in your workplace. Grow your skill. You know, stand out and learn a new skill. 
and be a good person at it. You know, they say the 10,000 hour rule, that it takes 10,000 hours to be good at what, at a skill. Take up a skill and be, add value to yourself. Be a value adder. Be a person that adds value to your workplace. Don't be a person who's just there. Do you know the worst person? The person who's just there. No, you know, the Bible says that God, Jesus, the lukewarm, he shall spit out of his mouth. You know? Lukewarm, God doesn't like lukewarm. Be, stand out. Let's say, I want, like my personal experience, this is my personal experience, I love hiring worship harvesters. Because they have such a work ethic. They put a lot of effort in their work. So let's, let's keep that trend. Like, let anyone who has a worship harvester is like, I have gold. I need to hold on to them. Be someone who's valued at work. Amen? So point number one is esteem the, esteem the value of hard work. Recognize that it is a gift God has given you. Number two, be a good steward of your finances. Don't be a thief. Number one, tithe. Hmm? Malachi chapter 3 says eh, you know, Malachi is a very interesting book to read God complains, the people are still yeah, but God why are you complaining so God is saying you people are thieves you have stolen my money, he's like yeah, but God where did we steal, he's like in your tithes and offerings, so don't steal from God number one tithe, number two save 20% of your income that one I'm sure you've heard it many times in this church be the person that practices it. Let it not just be head knowledge. Let it be things that you actually can do and you can show your disciple and says, look, this is my savings account. This is my HMC account and I have been saving 20% of my income. That's being a good steward. Number three, be generous. That's being a good financial steward. Generosity. Okay? Then the third thing, be a finisher. Don't be the hunter that does not roast his game. Amen? Start that project and finish it. That idea, do you know what? Do you know, how many of you know someone who started mobile money, but they just stole the idea from you? <laughs> Me, I know like four people who had the idea of mobile money, but they stole my idea. I was like, yeah, because you didn't do anything about it. Do you know one of the ways in which God provides supernaturally is that he gives you treasures in hidden places, ideas. You walk through a place and it's like, hmm, I can do something about this. You do it and the marketplace rewards you. So be a finisher. Be the person that starts something and finishes it. Be and finish with diligence. Finish with, with, um, with excellence. Amen. Amen. Can we stand up on our feet? Even as we talk about diligence and even as we talk about the blessing and how God wants us wealthy, if you're not in that bracket, then you are destined to live out a curse. Because the curse that was pronounced on Adam for the ground was that with sweat he will toil and only get bread. 
That is the life of an unbeliever. With an, as an unbeliever, you are destined to just work, work, work your way into a grave. But I want to give you an opportunity if you're here and you have never given your life to Jesus. I want to invite you today to make that decision to follow Jesus. That is going to be the most significant decision you ever make. It is what introduces you to this life of abundance. Don't be there struggling with poverty. Don't be there fighting poverty on your own strength. God has already defeated it. He has already defeated poverty. So even as we pray, if you can pray, this is an, an, a holy moment. I want to invite, if you're there and you have not given your life to Jesus, just put your hand up. I want to pray with you. Remember, this is far beyond money. It's far beyond resources. This is your eternal destiny. This is going to answer the question, what happens if you died? Are you going to heaven or are you going to spend the rest of eternity in, with the enemy, with the devil? So that's why we take this moment very seriously. That's why we take this moment as a holy moment because that decision is a thing that the devil doesn't want you to make. And so if you're there, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. If, you want, if you're not born again or you don't remember making that commitment, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand right now and we'll pray with you. Just lift your hand. It is, it is the most significant and important decision you will ever make. Don't be there with a struggle. Don't be there. The enemy wants to keep you in his clutches. This is out of the whole service. This is the time when he becomes most active because he wants you to suffer. He wants you to fight those fights yourself. So if you're there, just lift up your hand. Don't be shy. And we'll pray with you. Is there a hand somewhere? Yes, there's a hand. Thank you, my sister. I see that hand. That is a brave decision that you have made. Anyone else? I'm going to invite you to please come to the front and we'll pray with you. There's another hand right there. Yes, I see it. And another hand right there. Thank you for making the right decision to follow Jesus. Jesus is calling you. I receive another hand right there. Oh yes, let's give the Lord a mighty hand. Let me tell you, the devil wants you to stay there. The devil wants you to stay there fighting with your own strength. But I'm going to call him out. His enemies, the enemy's plans have been defeated. Don't stay there struggling by yourself. Receive Jesus today. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. I see hands. I see people are coming. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your children. Salvation has come to this house. If I were you, I would be celebrating because people are jumping out of the snares of the enemy. tell you something. The biggest trap, the biggest trap that the enemy has is poverty. Yeah. It's the biggest deception. Remember the enemy is the big, is the great deceiver. The biggest enemy is poverty. 
and God wants to liberate you from that curse God wants to liberate you from that curse so don't be there and miss this opportunity someone God is going to take this decision you have made today and use it as a catalyst to change your financial situation God is going to change your financial situation all he needs you is to enter into his covenant enter into his promise and so I want us all to do the work of an evangelist check with your neighbor ask them are you born again and if the answer is not a definite yes offer to come with them in front yeah we all support Liverpool today you shall not walk alone only for today because give people are giving me eyes only for today you will not walk alone oh yes we give the Lord a mighty hand clap Father we thank you for the people who are giving their lives to Christ today oh yes clap like you're clapping with heaven the Bible records that when one believer gives their life to Jesus there is celebration in heaven and I don't want there to be more celebration in heaven than here where we are receiving them amen give the Lord a mighty hand clap because he is snatching people from the dust he's snatching his children from the clutches of the enemy father we give you glory hallelujah hallelujah oh Jesus we give you thanks thank you Jesus this is the best decision you have made today in your life this is the best decision you have made that you have been snatched out of the clutches of the enemy oh yes you have been snatched out of the clutches of the enemy and so we're just going to pray with them I'm going to lead us in a prayer and you repeat after me tell you just repeat after me Lord Jesus Lord Jesus thank you for the sacrifice of the cross thank you for the sacrifice of the cross I confess with my mouth I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart and I believe in my heart that you died on the cross for me that you died on the cross for me and that you have washed all my sins and that you have washed all my by sins that sacrifice by that sacrifice take my life take my life and do something significant with it and do something significant i believe that from now i believe that from now i am born again i am born again thank you jesus thank you jesus oh yes let's celebrate with them now i want you to take your finger like this and say devil devil you have no hold on me you have no hold on me you have no hold on my money you have no hold on my money. i rebuke the curse of poverty in my life and I receive the liberty and wealth from Jesus. Amen. You'll go with Pastor Trevor here who will take you. Just walk with him. We just want to take your number and your details that someone can be in touch through the week. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. Hallelujah. Now friends, everywhere that Jesus went he healed yes and so healing is available every time the word of God is taught healing is available and so I just want to release the power of healing anyone who is sick right now receive your healing whatever the issue is whatever the doctors have said 
receive your healing right now and so father in the name of jesus we receive your healing not only do you give us power to get wealth to establish your covenant but we receive the full benefit of that covenant which is divine health so whatever ailments are in our bodies whatever bone issues whatever organ issues whether it's even a flu father we declare your healing power that as people walk out through these doors their strength that is going to be received in their bodies right now disease is cast out it is not a part of us your word declares that the diseases shall be far from our houses and so lord i declare that your healing will manifest and there shall be great testimony coming from your house because you are god the healer because you come with healing in your wings we receive your healing power right now in the mighty name of jesus and everybody gave amen, amen. shout to god with a voice of triumph because he is our healer hallelujah and may the grace of our lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with us all now and forever amen thank you for listening to this teaching we hope that you've been blessed by the worship harvest sermon series for more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.